Man, are we live? Are we ready? Welcome to the State of the Universe, the greatest show on Earth. We are the top five, top five, top five, top five show on iTunes right now, on Apple Podcasts, science category, top five. So do you guys get the sense that the world is a slightly better place today than it was the last time you heard my voice? Do you get that sense? Because let me tell you what I did just now. There was a spider above where I recorded, and he had built the little home. He had built a little home, he had a web, and he was big too. I don't know how he got there. And he was, uh, you know, like within direct sight of where I sleep. And um, I get the feeling he was there for a while, and he just watched me. And he sat there and he stared at me and he tried to figure me out. And he just tried to study me. And I saw him and he had a little cocoon. He had like this little cocoon that he made. And he must have been smart because it was like this little cocoon. It was white, obviously, because spider webs are white. But he would hide under it. It was like a little uh, web that he would get in, like a little uh, hammock, a little spider hammock. And he would live in there. And um, I just noticed him like barely. And he was big. He was big. And uh, it, you know. And it's a whole process when you got to kill a spider because you got to first off, you got to get everything out of the way of this, because when you hit the spider, you know, it's going to fall onto the ground. And if you have stuff in the way of the ground, then it's lost forever. And you have to wonder, where is it? Is it still here? Is it watching me? Is it around? Where's it at? So, of course, it's above where I record. What does that mean? That means I got to move my chair. I got to move the bookshelf. I got to move the artwork. That's behind me. I gotta move everything. Everything's gotta be out of the way. It's gotta be a clear shot between the spider and the ground. So that way when I hit the thing, because it's in the corner. So when, when it's in the corner, you know that you're not getting a clean shot right away. You know that when you try to get the shot off, cause you got a box, what are you gonna kill it with? I used a box, I, I like boxes. Preferably boxes that are full of stuff, like a brick. Because, you know, that's the best mechanism. You want it to be hard. You want to be able to grab it, handle it. A tiny little box. Three inches, three inch square. That's what I go for. You got to whack it, okay? Now you know you ain't killing it on the first try. You're never going to kill it on the first try. That's not how it works. That's not what happens. So you know you're going to hit it. It's going to live. You have to be prepared for that. Because it's going to fall. It's going to fall. It's going to move. It's going to run. It's going to do the spider things. You got to be prepared for that. It might even try to jump at you. If it tries to jump at you, it wins because you have a heart attack, you die. If it jumped at me, I'm dead. I'm dead. Okay? My my brain is going to say, Brendan, we had a good run. We did 24 years. The spider jumped at you. And it's over now. It's over now. Because we can't live in a world with spiders on you. And now I wonder, how long was the spider up there? How many shows did it listen to? Okay? All of this is going through my head. I got the vacuum ready. I got the vac because if it gets injured and it can't crawl away fast, you pull out the vacuum, you suck it up. But, okay, because you can't kill it once it hits the carpet. Once it hits the carpet, there's no hard surface for you to squish it against. So you got to think about that and you got to be careful. Now, okay, so now I'm eyeing down the spider. I'm standing on my chair. I'm eyeing down the spider. It doesn't see that I see it because it's asleep, but I see it. Now I know as soon as I whack it with the box, it's going to wake up. It's going to be like, what is happening here? What is happening here? That's the response. And it's going to be confused. And when it gets confused, it's going to try to run around. It's going to try to do stuff. You got to be careful. This is where it gets dicey. This is where you got to act fast, okay? I stunned him. Now I can tell he's like me. He's groggy when he wakes up. I didn't kill him. He fell down, but he didn't fall on the ground. This was his mistake. Had he fallen in the carpet, he could have crawled into some crevice and he could have got away, but he didn't. 
He fell down, he stared on the wall though. Now I knew at this moment that I had him. Because I could tell he was confused. He was like, what? Brandon, I've been here for days. I've been listening to your show and, and what are you doing? And at that moment, in that moment, I struck again with the box. I smushed him and you're welcome for that. Because I know that now this is a better world. And I know that we can all agree on that. We can feel, yes, we're here today to talk about climate change. And I've been talking about climate change a lot recently. And yeah, that's great and all. But the real success of the world today, of the humans today, of the people alive today, is that I eliminated what I perceive to be one of the largest spiders on the planet Earth. I mean, this thing was the size of a quarter. All right? You don't get quarter-sized spiders in New York unless they've been alive for a thousand years. So that thing, he's been around for a long time, and I'm happy to say that I got to eliminate him for all of you. And I did that for you, okay? And I did that for you. And that was stressful. My heart rate was up, and you're welcome. Welcome to the show. My name's Brendan. You like that spider story? You like how I can get you into this? You're like, oh my god, what's going to happen in the spider story? What's going to happen in the spider story? That's because I'm me. Good storyteller, you know? Or, or the other option is that everyone is tuned out by now. And in that case, I'm a bad storyteller. But anyway, here we are. It's a Sunday morning. I got myself a nice iced Americano. I went to Starbucks, talked to the barista, looked her right in the eyes. She said, Brendan, what do you want? I said, give me iced Americano. Give me espresso shots over ice, pronto, stat, do it. And she said, Brendan, how many espresso shots do you want? She said, do you want one? And I said, another one. And, she, and she's, she's like, oh, oh, Brendan, you want two espresso shots? Another one. Okay, Brendan, I'm confused. This is what she said. Brendan, I'm confused. Wait, do you want three espresso shots over ice? Another one. Brendan, you want four espresso? Yes, four. I'm going to need four espresso shots over ice. Fill the rest with water. Give it to me. I'll drink it black. I'll take the lid off. Don't use a straw. Don't want to kill the sea turtles. I'll drink it. Okay, will I spill it all over myself in the car? Yes, that happens frequently, but I don't use the straws. I tell them, don't even give me a lid. Don't even give me a lid. I'll handle this. Okay? And here, now here we are. It's a beautiful Sunday. We got NFL football on, which if you don't watch NFL football, you suck. You know? If you don't watch NFL football, you suck. The reason we're here is because I wanted to discuss climate change today because I get tons of questions. I've been doing... Somehow I've gotten, like... When you're a science communicator, people expect that you know everything. That's a weird thing. When you are, like, one of my guests and you come on and say you're an expert in fast radio bursts. The expectation is that you know that one thing better than everyone else, but the expectation is also that you don't know certain things. Like, you don't know molecular biology any better than any other random person, and you shouldn't. Your PhD is not in molecular biology. Your research is not in molecular biology. You're not expected to know it. But when you are in the like position that I'm in, and you do a lot of outreach and talking, the expectation is that you sort of have a good bearing on everything. And so that means that I always have to talk about the things that are in the news, and the thing that's in the news recently is climate change. In fact, I did an interview, a two-hour interview. I might upload it on my channel, but it, the Kev Baker show, it's a fantastic show. It's a radio show. It's a YouTube show. It's, a, it's an awesome show. 92,000 subscribers on YouTube and, you know, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of listeners all over the world. Um, and we, we did a two-hour show on climate change. What is causing it? How do we know that it's humans? How do we know that it's not other things like the sun, the volcanoes, etc.? You can go listen to that. We're here today to talk about 
solutions to climate change because this is a question I get a lot is, okay, Brendan, we can follow along with your information and we believe you that, that it's caused by humans. It's a human problem. Um, the earth is warming. The carbon in the atmosphere is increasing. The methane in the atmosphere is increasing. There's more greenhouse gases. The planet is warming faster than ever. What can we do? And I get this a lot. Like questions like Brendan is, are solar panels the, the solution? Or is wind farms the solution? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to address that. Because the truth is that the solution is a little more, more murky than you would think. Uh, the solution isn't just to build an endless supply of solar panels, an endless supply of wind farms. And I think that that is an important thing to discuss and to talk about. And pe people will hate me for you know some of the concepts that I address on the show because people don't want to talk about the disadvantages of that form of energy. They don't want to bring it up. They would rather everyone be silent about it. But we're going to talk about it before we start, before we get to that. Follow me on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Personal page, Brendan Drackler. The show page, The State of the Universe. Go on the website, thestateoftheuniverse.com to find all of that stuff and easy platform. Um, then you don't have to type. You can just click. Everyone likes to click. No one likes to type. It's fact. Okay? It's easy. Rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. Sign up for the mailing list on my website. Go to thestateoftheuniverse.com. Sign up for the mailing list so you can find out when we're doing giveaways. When we're giving books away, when we have new guests coming on, you can submit questions. You can see when new episodes are released, all to your email, all effectively, so you don't have to, you know, search the show. The show will come to you. I mean, it's just better that way. It's better that way. Go do that, all right? Support us on Patreon and on PayPal, please, and subscribe on YouTube. Enough of that. So, climate change. First off, this is an important thing that a lot of people sort of don't understand, when we say we need to cut emissions, why do we say we need to cut emissions? Okay, what is it about emissions that is bad? And this is a, actually like a, a real point of confusion. Like, what? Why is it that carbon is warming the 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 planet? Why is it that when we emit carbon dioxide, we warm the planet? Why is it that when we emit methane, we warm the planet? Okay, and to understand that, you need to understand what we even mean by climate change. And this is actually like a fundamental flaw that I notice in people when I talk to them is that they don't even quite wrap their heads around the, the, the issue at hand, the problem. So how does a planet even warm? Well, it should make sense to you that if a planet is sitting out and the sun is beaming radiation onto it, that it will naturally be warm. It will naturally get warm. You go out in the sunshine and you can feel the warmth of the sun. You can feel that the sun's energy is, is shining on you. If you're out in the sun, on a, even in the winter, even in the winter, if there's no wind and you walk outside and the, the temperature in the area might be 30 degrees, but if you walk outside 30 degrees Fahrenheit, zero, let's say zero, let's say zero degrees Fahrenheit, and you walk outside, you can feel the sun's energy warming you. You can physically feel it. So, you know, but that's not why the planet is the temperature it is, okay? Because it's actually a very simple calculation. When you start in physics and you would start to learn about radiation. You would start to learn about how the sun produces the energy and how the energy warms, warms the earth. You always do this calculation. It's a very popular calculation. You can find it in a million places online. You don't necessarily need to know how to do it. It's not important in that regard. But you can calculate how warm should the earth be, being that it is 93 million miles away, knowing how large the sun is, knowing how much energy the sun outputs, how warm should this ball of rock be sitting out here orbiting the earth? orbiting the sun. And, and, and the answer you come up with is essentially zero degrees Fahrenheit. Okay? Like, I don't know what that is in Celsius, negative 18 or something. That's the answer you, you come up with. But we know that that is not the average temperature of the Earth. We know that. 
the average temperature of the Earth is actually like 57 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's increasing. It might be like 58.5 now. I'm not sure. But it's somewhere around there. 56, 57, 58. You know, it's in, it's important to get that number right, actually. I'm saying, like, there's room for error. But it's actually an important number to get right. And um, you can look up the exact number. But, but the point is it's not zero. And the reason it's not zero is because we have an atmosphere. Atmospheres are fantastic for us. And in fact, when people talk about greenhouse gases being bad, they're not bad. Too much of them is bad which is where the problem stems from, but enough of them is good. We need them in order to be warm, in order for this planet to be warm. Because if we didn't have carbon dioxide, methane, water vapor in the atmosphere, it wouldn't be warm. Because what happens, how that actually warms the planet, is the sun's radiation comes down, we absorb it. When you stand out in the sun, you know your skin absorbs it. You feel it. You can feel it. You can feel the warmth. You wear a black hoodie outside. You can feel the absorption happening. Wear a black shirt outside, and you can feel it. Okay, the sun, everything on this planet absorbs it. Plants, trees, houses, cars, us, bears, everything. We absorb the energy from the sun. And what happens? We re-emit it. You know we re-emit it. Um, th look at an infrared camera. If, if you use an infrared camera to look at a human being, what you'll notice is that there is infrared emission. We emit energy all of the time. If, if you look at us in the infrared, we are glowing because we're emitting energy simply by being hot. The fact that we have a temperature at all means we emit energy, all right? And it's a very simple concept in the th understanding of thermodynamics. Things with heat emit energy, okay? If you have a temperature, you also emit energy. You emit photons, all right? Our skin does that. Houses do that. The grass does that. The trees do that. They emit energy. But this is where the important thing happens with greenhouse gases. When the sun emits energy, it emits energy that is a little higher energy, ultraviolet radiation. And that ultraviolet and visible radiation comes streaming into the atmosphere. It essentially just permeates the atmosphere. It goes right through it. But when we absorb the energy and then we re-emit it, we re-emit lower energy photons. That's an important concept, okay? Because these lower energy photons cannot just stream through the atmosphere anymore. No, no, no. What happens instead is they tend to collide with the molecules in the atmosphere, the greenhouse gases that we talk about. They collide, and when they collide, they scatter. They don't just leave the planet. No, no, no. They get scattered back towards the ground. And that is why the planet is, is a warmer temperature than it should be. It's warmer than zero degrees Fahrenheit for that reason, because the things on the ground emit low-energy photons. Those low-energy photons cannot escape the atmosphere. They stay inside, warming us up. It's very good that that happens. It's awesome that that happens because that's why we're here. That's why we're able to be here. Okay? So, the problem, though, is that when you put too many greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, bad things happen. That means all of the energy that is emitted by the things on the ground stays in the atmosphere. Because some of it escapes. So in an ideal condition, not all of the energy that hits the Earth stays on the Earth. In fact, most of it goes away. Most of it radiates back off of the planet. And that is why we are not too warm. If you look at Venus, Venus is, is, is undergoing what we call a runaway greenhouse effect. Okay? Which means it is way too warm. Way warmer than it should be. It's 800 degrees. That whole planet is 800 degrees Fahrenheit. And its atmosphere is 96% carbon dioxide. And the reason it's so hot is because all of the radiation that hits it cannot escape. It's it's literally run away. It's a run it's like an oven with the door closed. 
Whereas the earth is essentially an oven with the door open, just ever so slightly. It's open. We allow a lot of the heat to escape. And thus, the inside of the oven, the actual surface of the earth, stays at a bearable temperature. But what we do by putting more greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, by driving cars, by using gas, by using electricity, by burning fossil fuels, what we do is we put we, we shut the door ever so slightly. We shut it and we keep shutting it and we keep shutting it and less and less of the energy inside of our proverbial oven isn't allowed to escape. Okay? It, it, it's a simple concept once you understand it. So, for obvious reasons, when we talk about solutions to climate change, there are essentially two solutions that are being batted around by, by the, the political agendas in the United States. Okay, there's a, the right perspective and the left perspective. And the right perspective is essentially the status quo. Okay, you should let economics des- decide what energy sources you will use and won't use. And that is why we've gotten into the fossil fuel problem, because fossil fuels continue to be some of the most influential most influential people in the world, people who run fossil fuel industries. Okay, and that is because there is a lot of economic demand for fossil fuels. It is a fantastic energy source in the sense that it is reliable. It will always produce energy at all times of day, at all times of year, in all sorts of places. As long as you can combust fossil fuels, you can produce energy. As long as you can burn fossil fuels, you will produce energy. Okay? It's it's simple. And so the, the, the right in the United States wants to convince you that we should stick to fossil fuels because they are economically viable. And that is true. They are economically viable. They power economies. Okay, a large portion of some countries' economies is literally just fossil fuel exportation in mining. So, is it a good idea to just keep doing it? No, it's not a good idea to keep doing it. And it's for clear reasons it's not a good idea to keep doing it, because we've been doing it, and that is what got us in the problem to begin with. So, what about the left? Well, the left wants to convince you of, of something different, okay? They want to convince you that renewable energy is the future. That's the solution. The solution is renewable energy. The solution is solar farms and wind farms. That's the solution. But does that solution actually work? Is that a solution that's actually viable? Okay? For, for Some of you might already have ideas in your head about why that isn't a good solution, but let's discuss it, okay? Because on the surface, it seems like a perfectly viable solution. You develop a way to use the natural environmental occurrences on our planet to generate electricity, to generate energy, to use it. And in doing so, you don't emit as much stuff. Perfect idea. Great idea in theory. But but in practice, how do we do it? Well, one of the things we can look at is Germany. Okay, In 2010, Germany was the most proactive and ambitious um, world government that, that tried to pursue and prevent climate change. In 2010, they passed legislation and they set a few goals. They want to completely phase out natural gases, fossil fuels, coal, etc., and completely phase in renewables. Okay, their goal is to be 100% renewable by 2050. To date, they have subsidized renewable energy in Germany with almost a trillion US dollars. They hoped for a 40% reduction in carbon emissions by 2020 compared to 1990 levels. Okay, they were very proactive in doing this. This is nine years ago, people. Nine years ago, when the climate change problem was apparent 
It was happening, but it wasn't as apparent as it is today. And so I applaud Germany for, for trying to be proactive and take steps. But they had a lot of problems, and they continue to have a lot of problems. And they will fail to meet their initial goals. They will fail to meet their carbon emission um, goals. They will fail to reduce the amount of carbon emissions. They will fail to increase the amount of renewable energy generation in certain sectors. Why, though? Let's talk about what they did right. That's important. It's important to talk about what they did right because we can always learn from a system that does something right. We can learn from how it fails, but we can also learn from the things that it does right. So, they have successfully gone from, in 2010, producing just 7% of electricity with renewables to today producing over 30%. So you're talking 25-ish percent increase in the amount of electricity that you generate with renewables. That's important. That's not nothing. That's an important milestone. It's a good, it's a fantastic milestone to achieve, and it's something that everyone should shoot for. To wean, not just for renewables, but to wean off the amount of reliance you have on fossil fuels. It's a good, it's a good idea. You can't be critiqued for that. Okay? That's a success. Now, what else? Well, they have successfully refurbished now again a lot of you know economic proponents would come in here and say well, well wait a minute this all came at an economic cost and we'll talk about that in a second but they have refurbished over three and a half million homes and buildings to be more energy efficient and in some cases even self-sustaining so buildings that can literally generate enough energy through renewables to actually supply themselves with energy and be completely self-sustaining buildings okay again that's a success. Unfortunately, though, unfortunately, the successes sort of stop there because I've almost run out of good things to say. Unfortunately, their carbon emissions have not falling meaningfully. I, uh, this is an important thing to, to repeat. They have increased the amount of electricity generation that they use through renewables over 25 percentage points but their carbon emissions have not fallen a meaningful amount. They will fail to meet their 2020 goal. They will probably fail to meet their 2030 goal. Why, though? Why? Why is it that even by increasing, by an order of magnitude, the amount of electricity generation through renewables, you fail to reduce carbon emissions? Why? The answer has everything to do... Well, all right, so first off, there's a side note answer. A a side note answer is that they chose to phase out nuclear power plants at the same time they're phasing in renewables. That's a big problem. The problem is phasing out nuclear power plants because we know that they are the cleanest, most effective, um, safest form of energy generation, regardless of what either side of the political spectrum will tell you. That is the, the, the future. That is an aspect of the future. And in fact, you need to look at countries like France to see that they are able to reduce emissions by an incredible amount by using nuclear energy. But but that's not the point. That's not what we're talking about. Put that aside. Put that aside and realize that renewables like wind and solar suffer from a very obvious problem. It's a problem that everyone thinks of. It's a problem that normal people think of, that uneducated people think of, that educated... And when I say uneducated, I don't mean like uneducated with, you know, like you don't lack degrees or something. I mean, I mean, people who aren't in it, just everyday people who aren't in the energy sector, 
can point this out. It's, it doesn't take a genius. The problem is blackouts. The problem is that this energy generation is intermittent. It doesn't go 24-7. When the sun isn't in the sky, you're not producing solar energy. When it's cloudy, you're not producing solar energy. Okay? In some areas, you're only able to produce solar energy 10 to 30-ish percent of the time. You're missing out on 70% of the day, of the year, of the month. That's a problem. That's a clear problem. That's a problem that needs to be addressed. But, you know, wind suffers from the same problem. It's not always windy. It's not always windy. Anywhere in the world, you're going to find circumstances where it there's no wind. And if there's no wind and there's no sun, then there's no energy. That's a clear problem. It's a problem that people don't want to talk about, but it's a problem nonetheless. And that is an interesting problem because it's not a technological problem. It's just not. That is a problem that doesn't get solved with better technology. You see a lot of people that are saying, we need to subsidize this stuff so that we can increase the technology. We need to subsidize this stuff so that we can make it better, so that you know technological advance, advancement can happen. The problem, of course, is that the technological advancement doesn't fix the problem. No amount of technology is going to make the sun shine more. No amount of technology is going to make the wind blow more without causing a, a, an array of different environmental problems. Okay? So, and that is actually the precise reason that Germany has failed to meet its, its goals. Because what Germany does, and keep in mind that set in the entire European Union, okay, seven out of the top ten dirtiest coal plants, the top ten highest emission coal plants, seven of them are in Germany. Because Germany is one of the huge producers and exporters of coal. And not only coal, but the dirtiest form of coal called lignite. And what happens is that when you are trying to supply the grid with a very particular amount of energy, an amount of energy that will supply the entire country so that everyone can turn their lights on, everyone can turn their TVs on, everyone can, you know, charge their electric cars, you need to be able to provide the grid with a particular amount of energy. And if you fail to provide it with that particular amount of energy, through solar and wind, you have to fire up the coal plants. You fire up the coal plants, you start burning coal, and you start burning the worst type of coal. And Germany still relies on coal to power 40% of its energy requirements. So even after a decade of pushing renewables, 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 you still rely almost 50% of your energy on burning coal. And that is why it's even falling behind countries that just use fossil fuels. It's falling behind other countries. And there's an added you know, negative effect to this. The negative effect is that all of this stuff has to be paid for by something. All of the renewables have to be paid for by subsidies. The subsidies have to be paid for, in turn, by the people. And the way in which that's done is by electricity prices. Electricity prices have doubled in Germany over the past two decades. And now, German electricity costs three times higher than the U.S. average electricity. And it is, for developed countries, it is the most expensive electricity out of any developed country in the world. So, there's a very interesting social effect happening in Germany now, um, where now you have everyday people, ordinary people, that are now, you know, against renewable energies because they see the negative effects and this is the problem with going full bore in one direction and ignoring economic impact 
you ignore um, a very important point. You ignore the fact that this could negatively affect your economy. And in doing so, you negatively affect your citizens. And when you negatively affect your citizens, you cause them to think negatively of the thing that you're doing to affect them. And in this case, that's renewable energy. So you're actually causing a stigma against renewable energy in Germany. And you see this happening. It's a problem. So that begs the question, is renewable energy even the solution to this problem we're having? Because solar farms take 450 times more land than nuclear plants, and wind farms take 700 times more land than natural gas wells, and they produce the same amount of energy. And that is an environmental problem. Because here's another thing. We don't even know what we're going to do. No one has come up with this solution yet because we've ignored it in, in much the same way we've ignored you know, the impacts of fossil fuels. We don't even know what we're going to do with old solar panels yet. They don't last forever. In a decade or two, they will be useless and you will have to replace them. And you're talking about, you know, hundreds of square miles worth of solar panels. What do you do with them? Okay, that's a big source of pollution, of physical pollution. What you do with them is a problem. It's a problem that no one's addressing, no one's talking about. Because no one wants to admit that their ideas have flaws. And this is a very important point, and it's the reason I bring this up. Renewables weren't made to power the civilization we live in. They can't do it. They couldn't do it yesterday. They're not going to do it tomorrow. Technological advancement isn't going to help them. The only thing that's going to help them is by mowing down more land to put more solar panels up, or by mowing down more land to put wind farms up. And that, while not a climate problem, addresses an environmental problem. You have to mow down, you know, if talk about in the desert, right? The largest the largest solar farm in California had an array of environmental problems. A huge amount of environmental problems because you had to steal the habitat from hundreds, thousands of animals. Okay, you know, think about tor this is an interesting one, tortoises. These tortoises that live in the desert, when they began to build this, they began to realize, wait a minute. We can't have these tortoises living here. So they had to go over the tens of square miles that this array spans and remove physically all of the tortoises that live there. They have to kick them out. And what they realized is, wait a minute, we can't relocate them to any habitat because there's not really any habitat that mimics the one they're living in now. So we've, in essence, destroyed their habitat and moved all the tortoises into captivity where most of them died. So if you want to address the problem... There's problems associated with this form of renewable energy, too, that no one wants to discuss. And so this got me thinking about politics in general, like divisiveness in politics. Everyone says divisiveness is a problem and that this is the most divisive. This is the most divided I've ever seen this country or any other country. This is the most divisive time in political history. I see that a ton all over Twitter, all over social media. Meanwhile... Congress has been the most bipartisan it has been in 20 years. And that's only getting better. There is more bipartisan legislation being made than the last two decades. But no one wants to discuss that. Okay? Because they don't see it. It's not in front of them. Because what they see is Twitter. What they see is fights on Twitter. What they see is division on Twitter and social media. They don't see reality. And the reality, and this is something I've come to appreciate now, and I've been reading the literature on this and trying to form an opinion on this. And um, I don't see it a lot. 
I don't see many people saying this, but, but I think I've actually come to appreciate the dividedness of our country because divisiveness is actually very important. It's a good thing that we don't all agree to continue doing what we're doing in terms of fossil fuels, but it's also a good thing that we don't all agree to build an endless supply of renewable energy sources because they're not going to do the amount of good that people think they will do. And so the solution to the climate problem, interestingly enough, is actually somewhere in the middle. It, because you can't completely ignore economic factors. You can't destroy your country's economy for the sake of so trying to provide a, a solution to the climate problem, which may in fact not even be a long-term solution. But at the same time, you can't keep doing what you're doing because you're destroying the planet. So the solution is actually directly in the middle of those two. And so it, it makes me appreciate that, wait a minute, every solution is somewhere in the middle. Every solution is an average of the two poles. If you, do you know who Lord Acton is? He's a historian, and you, you probably have no idea who he is, but I, I assume you know the quote that he's most famous for. And the, the quote is that power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What does that mean? Well, in the context of this, it means that if we all agreed, if we all agreed that, that the solution was this, then we would all go full bore into that solution, not realizing the negative consequences of doing so. So it's actually important that we don't agree. It's important that there's no absolute power trying to provide an absolute solution, because the absolute solution would likely result in another undeniable problem. So it's a damn good thing that we don't agree on this, and it's a damn good thing that we can meet somewhere in the middle and try to go forward with a way that makes America better, makes the world better, makes the climate better, but also doesn't destroy an economy and doesn't make us less powerful. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think about that? Do you think that's bullshit? Do you think we need to go full bore on one side? Do you think I'm making shit up? Do you think that Germany is actually a success? What do you think? Comment below. Let me know. What What do you think the, the solution is to the climate problem? Because I'll tell you what I think it isn't. What I think it isn't is to keep doing what we're doing, but also what I think it isn't is to do what the far left has an idea of, which is like to completely stop farming meat. That's not going to work. Why is that not going to work? Well, it's not going to work because, you know, just a thousand years ago, there were over 45 million bison in the United States. Do you know what 45 million bison produce? Methane. When they fart, when they shit, when they burp. Do you know what cows produce when they fart, shit, and burp? Methane. So I see all these articles that are saying, we got to stop factory farming because, you know, all of these cows in the Midwest, uh, you know, the 90 million cows in the United States are causing all of these methane, you know, methane emissions into the atmosphere and it's bad for the environment well check this out 45 million bison probably produce the exact same amount of methane as 90 million cows so nature was literally producing the exact same amount of methane emissions a thousand years ago all by itself and if it wasn't for the fact that we hunted them to near extinction they would still be doing it so get that out of here that's not a solution that is an agenda that is an agenda not a solution what else? Well, I think that what else isn't going to work is to completely stop using gas and oil tomorrow. Because you can't do that and be economically viable. Because what will happen is the American system, the American economic system, will just fall behind. And it will make us less powerful in the world. 
And, and sure, we might, you know, cure our dent, but other countries aren't curing their dent that way. Because at the end of the day, economic power is power. You need it to go forward, to succeed in the world. So you can't cut it out. That's an idealistic solution. And again, it's an agenda, not a solution, an agenda. What else? Well, you can completely stop using electricity, but no one's doing that. Even the people pushing the climate problem on the left aren't doing that. You know, I'm sure AOC, with her Green New Deal, used a computer to write it. I'm sure she, you know, watches Netflix on her TV. I'm sure she drives a nice car. I'm sure she tries, 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 flies, 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 flies private. I'm sure she, you know, puts a dent into the, into the, you know, global carbon emissions as well. So the answer is actually somewhere in the middle. And that's why I think divisiveness is good. I'd be curious to know what you all think about that conclusion. But please... Like, rate, review the show, wherever you watch, Apple Podcasts, five stars. Please, it helps more than I could ever explain to you. If you enjoyed it, let me know. Start a conversation, though. Let me know what you think about this, you know, idea of divisiveness being a good thing. Now, of course, it can go too far, and you see aspects of it going too far all around you every day. Go on Twitter, and you will see where division has gone too far. But Twitter is not reality. Reality is that... The perfect amount of divisiveness existing in our country today means that we are getting more bipartisan legislation written and enacted into law than in the past 20 years. So the facts don't show what Twitter shows you. What a surprise, you know? What a surprise. But anyway, I appreciate you guys listening. Subscribe on YouTube, Patreon, PayPal, support the show. Please, it helps more than I could ever explain to you. And I love you guys, and I appreciate you listening. Remember, though, you are on a boulder whipping around a nuclear reactor that is a million times the size of the boulder you live on, okay? You're 93 million miles away from that damn boulder. You're in the middle of infinity. Nothing else around you matters. You're just on a tiny little moat, a tiny little boulder, and on this little boulder, your problems are pretty minuscule. So we have a climate problem. Cool, we'll get through it, and it will make us better. And then, guess what? At the end of my lifetime, we'll have some other problem. We'll have a human problem. We'll have something that humanity has done that has fucked something up, and we'll work together, and we'll fix it. And we'll have good ideas, and we'll have bad ideas, but at the end of the day, we'll find the solution. Because that's what we do. The world's not going to end, okay? The, the planet isn't going to blow up in 12 years. We're going to fix it. We're going to work together. We're going to find viable solutions. We're going to fix it. Then we'll have another problem, and we'll fix it. Then we'll have another one, and we'll fix that one too. Because that's just how we do it. That's how we've done it. That's how the species has done it. We've shown that time and 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 time, time again. That's just how it is. So your problems, they don't really matter. I mean, you're in infinity. It doesn't matter. The universe extends in all directions as far as telescopes can see. And every time we build a better telescope, the universe extends in all directions as far as we can see. That's it. You're in infinity. Your problems are minuscule. They don't matter. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. By finding the average of the two poles. That's how we fix shit. That's how we've done it. Bye-bye now. Love y'all.